Hello. How's everyone doing this evening? You know, it's been really great. Um, the community groups that we've been going. Is everybody in a community? I know, I know most of you guys are. But if you're not, I know people listen online. Join a community group. They're amazing. Last night was awesome. I had a good time. All, all of us, a lot of us were in last night's community group. And I think the last two weeks have been great. And it's been awesome getting to know one another and really connecting with one another. I think that from our stories, the stories that we share, our experiences uh, with our past or the things that we're currently going through, it really builds us up. I think that's one of the reasons the Bible says, and they overcame by the power of the word and their testimony. Because they were like, hey, man, I was going through that. You were? And you can share that with someone else, your problems or something that you overcame uh, with the help of Christ, and it encourages other people. So with that said, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for another opportunity to share your word, to share what you've placed on my heart throughout the years since I was young. And I want to ask, Lord God, that as we grow together as a church, that, Lord, you would bless us, that you would unite us, that you would unify us and continue to make us a family, make us better friends and I pray that that would just overflow into our community, to the surrounding communities, and to the rest of the world. Lord, we want to pray, Lord, also for uh, Pastor Sam as he's making his way on down to Haiti. We thank you, Lord God, that you used us. Lord, you partnered with us. You chose us to bless other people. And we just thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. We thank you for using us as, as instruments. And we, we just say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Sam has been going through some talks on the book of Genesis. It's called Beginnings. And if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to them or you want to review them, I think it would be a great idea, especially on our topic that we're talking about today. The book of Genesis is one of those books that is just, when you get outside of, of the way we've been trained to think, how we read the Bible, we start looking at it differently on the poetic story, the love story that God is writing to us. It becomes a little bit more, it becomes more clear and more clear how much he really loves us and how much he really wants to get involved with us. So if you guys want to check that out, I just recommend get on iTunes. If you don't know how to get on iTunes, you can talk to Nick. Nick is really good about that. And I think so is Gil and Mary. They're really good at finding iTunes and stuff like this. You can talk to them. I'm going to volunteer them right now. And that's, uh, and if you know how to get on iTunes, it's on Genesis Community Church. Uh, you can find it. It'll pop right up. You'll see the logo right there. So. We're going to talk about something that we do every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning, sometimes Saturday evenings. We do this alone or we do this in a group, in a community, as friends. And we're going to talk about something called worship. Everybody say it with me, worship. I remember I used to go to a church when I was really young. And I used to love this. I don't do this anymore because I do think it's, it's just different, too different now. But I used to be like, tap the person next to you and say worship. Go ahead, try it. Go ahead, try it. <laughs> we used to do fun stuff like that just to kind of get things involved. That was just the culture that, that we were in. But we're going to talk about worship, about corporate worship, worship as a group, and our private worship. And the worship and worship as it, re, it relates to, to our, our relationships, to one another. And so if you would with me, I'd ask you to go ahead and turn to your Bible. And we're going to, or excuse me, turn to Romans chapter 12. And I'm pretty sure that all of us are pretty familiar with this verse. So once again, that's Romans chapter 12. And this is a great verse. And I think a lot of people talk about it when they talk about worship. Now, I want to say this in the beginning. We can 
definitely go into different avenues of worship. We can explain the depths of worship. And if you were here in the summer, I mean, I think most of us were, Sam went through an amazing journey through the, the Psalms. And the Psalms are just an amazing book that declare God's glory and his worship and praise and struggle uh, that are going in man's heart. And you can, guys can also find that at Genesis Community Church on the iTunes. Oh, yeah. I'm just I'm just in love with those uh, those messages. I've been actually listening to them a lot uh, lately, so that I can grow uh, myself personally. So, anyways, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse one. It says, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed." By the renewing of your minds so that you can discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I'm going to read this in a different translation. And I found this a little bit earlier today. And I love this translation because it makes it a little bit more relevant to today. It's out of the message. If you'd like to check it out, it says, so here's what I want you to do. Help God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become, sorry, don't become so well-adjusted to the culture. Ooh, that's really good. Don't become so overwhelmed to your, over-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention to God and you will be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to lower levels of maturity. God brings the best out of you, developing, uh, develop, I'm sorry, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I love that translation that was out of the message now when the message first came out i was like oh my god that's that's so watered down but i don't think you can get any more clear on what it's saying in romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 i think it is it's talking about living according to god's will now as we're talking about worship i would love to entitle this this talk worship gives you life and rest i remember when i was um when i was really young i used to play drums i still play drums i guess but when I was I was just a baby boy, I loved the drums a lot. And I used to tell my mom, Mom, I just want to play the drums at church. And this is really before I actually made a a, a really firm declaration that, you know, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. But I remember my mom saying to me, Alex, mira, solo con el piano se puede dar alabanzas. And what that means is, you know, just with the piano, that's that's what God really likes, you know? And I was like, oh, what? I want to play drums. I'm playing no piano. I don't even know how to play piano. You know what I mean? And that really shot me down. I was like, just the piano. And so this is the kind of stuff that she would tell me, you know, with the piano. And as I grew older, um, I did make those that choice to follow Christ. And as I did, my 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 life as a worship leader developed. Now, it was really in, the, in my quiet times, in my personal worship time, that I actually felt God speaking to me. And this verse became a little bit more alive to me. See, I, I heard this verse for the first time a little bit clear when I was about 18 years old at a college group. And someone said, you know, if you worship God, present your God, at, present your life as a living sacrifice before God. He's going to tell you his perfect will. 
And of course, being young, 18, 19, what is everybody, every young Christian thinking at that time? Who am I going to marry? Is God going to tell me what I'm going to do the rest of my life? Is he going to tell me I'm going to be this, this and that? It didn't happen that way. You know, he didn't just reveal to me all of a sudden who I was going to marry or what job I would take in the future. He's still kind of unfolding that out before my life. And as I get closer and closer to him and as I understand him a little bit more and as I surrender my will a little bit more, he's showing me how he's wired me in the, in the way that I should go. But it was in my quiet times, going back to quiet times and my personal worship that God began to speak to me and he gave me a, a secret. And I'm really big on God giving secrets so the thing is this, when you read the scripture, sometimes you got to re- pay attention a little bit closer. And God gives secrets to people. And sometimes they're not our business to go and tell other people. God just says, hey, I want to tell you something. And he just whispers in your ear. He's like, hey, man, can you guys hear me right now? And this is what God told me. I was worshiping. And no one knew I could sing at my church. I didn't really open my mouth. I didn't even know how to play the guitar at the time. But I would just worship in my car by myself or, you know, worship in my bedroom by myself. And I felt God say, you're going to be a worship leader. Now, it wasn't like this loud voice that came from, from the middle of nowhere. It was a vision. It was the sense that God was saying, I called you to sing. I called you to lead worship. And I could see, I could actually see these crowd of people singing with me, singing together, singing to God. And so I held that secret by myself and I just held on to it. And I didn't say it to anything to anybody because at that point in my life, I wanted to make sure that this was God really speaking to me. This is what I saw. So maybe a year passed and I still held on to this dream and I would sing in worship and I was playing drums at church and I kept thinking, man, if, if I sang, if I sang, people would get healed. People would start crying. Oh man, it would be magical. You know, the altar calls left and right, you know, people confessing sin, all this great glorious stuff. Well, I kept my mouth shut. And sure enough, just the way that I thought it would happen, it happened. I said, God, if this is really you, somebody's going to come and ask me to lead worship. Now, mind you, I didn't know how to play the guitar. I think I only knew how to play the E. And I could probably only get through like, I could sing of your love forever. And I think that's probably as far as I could go. Well, another pastor at my church at the time, his name is Bob Bryant. Great guy. Still, I'll talk to him every once in a while. I didn't know the guy, but I went to his house for a college meeting. I think we just gathered there. Uh, he wasn't the college pastor. But he had a pool, so all the college kids wanted to go and swim in the pool. So I went swimming in the pool, and I picked up a guitar, and I sang the song, but I was really just trying to, like, hit on a girl or something like that. And I was like, oh, dude, this Christian girl is going to hear me sing. That was really going through my mind. Anyways, he did hear me sing, and I completely forgot. That was so long uh, before he, he pulled me aside. He pulls me aside at this barbecue. He takes me into his office and we sit down. I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. I know it. This is what always happens to me. I always do something bad. I don't know what I did. I probably said, drop some kind of cuss word in front of somebody. And he's going to, you know, you know, slap me on the wrist. He pulls me down. He sits down. And he says, hey, brother. I'm like, hey, what's up, Bob? He's like, I know I don't know you. But I just took over the, uh, the, the high school ministry. I'm the pastor there now. And we need an adult leader to lead worship. And I heard you sing one time. And I was like, you did? I, and I completely forgot about that time that we sang in his living room. And it was just a few of us. I was just fiddling on the guitar. You know, it wasn't anything big. We weren't doing a worship. A bunch of us were worshiping. I was just messing around. He says, I know you can sing and I know you can play the guitar. And I was like, oh, God, it's happening. That vision is happening. That thing that God whispered to me is happening. That thing he told me in secret is happening. And he says, 
I need an adult worship leader. Would you be interested? I don't think I needed to pray at that point because everything that I felt God was kind of saying to me, whispering in my heart, in my mind, was unfolding before my eyes. So I said yes. So the next thing I did was I went home and I just, oh my God, I got to get all these songs. That's how I learned how to play guitar, really. You know, I just kind of forced myself to sing all these songs. And, you know, it went really well. And that was, that was 11 years ago, maybe 11, 12 years ago that this happened. I was really young. And it was, I want to remind you that it was in the quiet time, in my personal devotion, in my personal worship with God, that I would hear these little secrets where it says here, present your body as a living sacrifice and, you know, surrender pretty much is what it's saying. And God would reveal to you his perfect will. This is what going, what was going on in my life at the time. Now, as I got older, this verse became, began to give more life to me. It began to speak more to me. Because as you grow in Christ, out of your experiences and the different people you encounter, you realize that different verses and different situations in life begin to speak more volumes. And God begins to reveal himself in different ways through the same passage. The call to worship. Now, I don't want to make this, this message obviously is not going to be about styles of worship. Because there are so many different styles of worship. There's so many different cultures that worship in their own tongue. They're, they have their own dances. I remember one of the dances that I was listening to the other night, and I had to look this up because I hadn't heard it in years, was a Dusun tri- it was out of the Dusun tribe. And then it was, this is um, Borneo in East Malaysia where I was living for about six months. And they had their own worship music in their own tribal tongue. I didn't know how to sing. I didn't know how to sing their songs. But man, did it, re, did, it, did it speak multitudes to me when they were singing in their own tongue, where they were singing in their own language. The Bible verses came alive to me when it says every tongue, tribe, every nation, all the little islands God talks about in his word became alive at that moment. But as we continue in worship, there's something that, that really sticks out, and it's the word worship, meaning I, you know, I mixed up my notes a little bit here. <laughs> you know, when you're preparing for these things, you kind of mix them up. And you're like, well, maybe this will sound good here. This, this should tie into here. Now I'm kind of messing it up. Anyways, I hope I'm making sense. I think I am. But anyways, going back to the word worship, if we look at it in its old English context, it, what it really means is worth, worth-ship. All of us ascribe certain worth to certain things, people, places, times in our lives. And we can make those, Lord, we can make those worth so much more than they need to be. There's a shirt that I that I really like right now that I, I'm thinking about purchasing it, purchasing. It says, God first, family, then the Dodgers. That was good, huh? <laughs> you got to set your priorities, right? But worship, what are you ascribing importance to in your life? I like what Timothy Keller says. He says that uh, when we're going through a tough time, it's not always through petition and prayer um, that we overcome, but it's in worship. It's in worship when we are able to ascribe uh, the lordship in, 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 some, in God that we're able to overcome. And that's because, because of that, because we made him Lord. Um, 
Lauren Cunningham, he's the leader or he's the founder of uh, the organization Youth with the Mission, the, the one that I joined, and that's the reason I went to Malaysia um, so many years ago. He said this when I was really young. This is before I even left. He came and spoke at our church. Then I was listening to him one day, and he was really giving, breaking down historical spiritual roots that were happening, a bunch of, bunch of stuff that I found really interesting about how the Spaniards came to Mexico and they spread, but spread this and that and how it goes back into the Moors. I'm talking about, about a bunch of, bunch of history now. But what he said is this, is that when you worship, you become what you worship. And that scared the crud out of me. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, we can fall into worshiping idols. We can fall into worshiping things that are not God. And God is very clear that he is, he should always take priority. He should always be number one when we're worshiping him. Does that make sense? And so, um, worship connects us to God. It helps, it helps because it places our hearts and our minds in his lordship and through that, we find peace. When I was in Malaysia, I was sitting in an abandoned school, middle of the jungle. And this is a lesson that I learned probably about eight years ago. Then I was sitting there and I was reading my Bible and I was praying. And I felt God say to me, or God, I got this sense. When you go to heaven, there will be no more preaching. <laughs> there will be no more teachings. You don't have to evangelize anymore, you know, because I was so big. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to teach the world. I'm going to save the world. This is what I was going through at the time. And when I felt that, when I felt God say to me, hey, those things are going to end. You're not going to have to preach anymore. There'll be no more missions. You know what I thought to myself? I thought, I'm going to be bored. I'm going to be bored. And I realized my heart was in the wrong place because I didn't make Lord. Yeah, I was doing a bunch of great things. Yeah, I was worshiping. Yeah, I was in the middle of nowhere trying to lead people to Christ. But that became my objective. It didn't become knowing him and making him known. It didn't. It wasn't that I had an intimate relationship with God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. It was more of a relationship based on works, based on what I do, based on my accomplishments rather than having an intimate relationship with Christ. You know, all of us hang out with different people. You know, Joe and I hang out, Nick and I hang out, all of us hang out together. And you have certain friends that you hang out more than the others because you've just known them for years. But you know that when you hang out with them, you begin to take on their nature in a sense. Do you know what I'm talking about? Their sayings. Like, I I might have a saying like, um, I don't know if I have a saying. Or I might go, I might, I go, uh, all right. Nick knows, there we go. I always, I don't, and you know what? Uh, and you know, I started doing that. When something is really cool, I go, uh. And you know where I got that from? I got that from a roommate that I lived for, lived with for years. And we were really cool. I'd walk in the house and he'd go, uh. So he'd show me, like, hey man, did you know that the Lakers won today? Uh, and I picked that up because we spent so much time together. And so going back to um, wanting to serve God and wanting to worship him, 
I realized that it became more about spending time with him. When you spend time with people, when you spend time with anyone, you take on their nature. I'm sure the married couples here, there's certain things that you're like, oh, I got that from him or I, I got that from her, you know, or, or you know, friends, whatever, whatever the case may be. And that's the importance of spending time with God because you take on his nature. When you become what you worship, that's a very powerful thing. And that's a very scary thing at the same time. If you're worshiping idol, if you're worshiping money, if you're making uh, money or uh, achievements in life, your main objective and your heart is totally found on that, you're going to fall apart. Because when it's ripped away, you're going to be left empty. Does, Does that make sense? You'll take on that nature. Those things will become if, let's say, uh, I I knew a young man at one time. And uh, this was a few years ago. And he had just maybe broken up with his girlfriend. And he comes to me and he's devastated. And he's calling me. And I told him, you know, call me whenever you want. And he was calling me and he was calling me. And and I said, he was, you know, I don't know what to do with my life. I I, I don't know where I'm going. I need help. I need direction. And we prayed. We, You know, you did all the things you should do. We you know, ask him the question, well, where do you see yourself? And one of the things, one of the main things that he said to me, you know what? All I've ever wanted in my life was to get married and to have kids. And I know that if I have those things and I can raise my, my life will be perfect. My life will be great. But I don't know about you guys, but I know that if you set your life, that that's the only thing that you want in life, you're going to be let down completely. Because people die. People can leave. You know, you can get divorces or things like that. And so if you set your life on those things and they're ripped away from you, then what are you left with? You were never left with anything solid. You were just left with the material things. So having families and desiring those things are great things within the contents of what God wants for your life. But when you make that your Lord, when you make that what makes you tick, you're going to fall apart. Because at the end of the day, those things can be ripped away from you. And if you're not set on Christ, then what's next? You'd be crying and weeping. And you know, I did that for myself. I did that so long in my life. I did that with, with uh, like I said, when God spoke to me, hey, if you can't preach ever again, then what? I'll be bored. And I did it again a few years ago. I didn't learn my lesson. I made becoming a worship leader, made becoming um, a leader in my old church and making that so important in my life that when it wasn't working out the right way. It messed me up. And so then I had to take a year out of my life and I would sit just like I think, you know, I would sit in the back here where where. Um, oh, gosh. Eileen is sitting. I would sit right over there. And I would listen and I would just tear up for a whole year. I didn't say anything. I'm not going to talk about worship because I was just so messed up because I made it my guy and I was so angry. And I would drive around in my car and I'd be like, why, God, why? Just crying. Like, again? Again? This is happening again? And I, learned, I think I learned my lesson this last time. And as I'm going and as we're building worship teams and as we're growing here at, at Genesis, I realize I'm not going to hold on to it like that anymore. I'm not going to worry about making this my main lo- my main life. I I have to, I'm defined by being a worship leader and if I don't do good on a Sunday or Wednesdays or things like that, then that's not going to be that's not going to define me as a man. 
Does that make sense? And I learn here uh, in the sense that I do the things that I do because I want other people to be blessed. Not that I didn't want them blessed then, but my priorities were still wrong in my heart and in my mind. And, and you know, and that's a great thing. Like even Sam having me to come and share today, to me that shows multitude. Because you know, a lot of people would hold on to that. A lot of a lot of pastors might hold on to it and be like, "Ooh, I'm gonna hold on to the pulpit. I don't want anyone else talking because I'm afraid. I'm afraid." And you know what? As I've come here, I've never experienced that, and it's allowed me to be a little bit more relaxed and be like, "Hey." He must increase and I must decrease. It's like, you know, I share this with Nick. Nick is one of my good friends and uh, he's like my brother. And I don't mind sharing this. But, you know, Nick came here. I've known him for years. He comes to the church here and he's a great guitar player. He's a great guitar player, right? He has an amazing voice. I could choose to do two things. I could either choose to say, I'm not going to let Nick play at all. And I, because I, I want people to think my voice is the best. You know what I mean? Oh, and, his, and my guitar playing is the best. You know, and, and just totally put a block on him and anyone else is going to try to be a worship leader or sing in the church uh, because I want to be glorified. I want to look good up front. And all that does is bring death to my heart will bring death to his heart. But because I learned through people like Sam and people who are around me that it's not about those things, then who cares? If people think he's better than praise God, he's going to lead me in a worship too. We're all singing together. Kumbaya. You know, that's how I feel. Kumbaya. The little beat behind it. No, I'm just kidding. Sam, you know, bless his heart that he would allow me to talk here today. He didn't hold on to it too tight. And to me, that shows multitudes. Like I said, I, 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 I realize that it's not about me anymore. It's about having Christ in me, showing that example, and then seeing other people grow. Just like we talked about last time, I talked about being torn, and we talked about how the Apostle Paul was more concerned about other people's welfare than his own, that he wanted people to grow and to people to love. And you know, when you make God your your all, when you're able to surrender your will to him, I mean, and when I say will, that's everything. That's, you know, who, what you want to do, your schooling. You know, I even a few weeks ago, I had a friend challenge me. And I, had, I hadn't been challenged like this. And I told him, I'm going to the University of Laverne. And then he said, well, you know what? I think that you should go to this school. He named another school. And I was like, I, I don't think so. I'm going to finish my degree over here. Well, that challenged my heart. I was holding on to that for so so much. And I began to press it. God, I mean, maybe you have a different path for me. God does give us choice. You know, look at Adam. Adam was able to name, you know, the rhinoceros the hippopotamus, you know, the Z, I'm sure you didn't call him zebra hippopotamus. It's probably like some other kind of language. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? God gave people the choices to to move forward. So my buddy challenged me. And so I took it back to the Lord. And I was really, I'm really set on going and finishing my degree at this school. And as I begin to pray and as I begin to talk to God, I'm like, hey, what do you think? And I think he says it's going to be okay. Just finish up at Laverne. But I think that was a little like, I don't know what we want to call it, test. I don't know how God does it. A little challenge um, for me to just be like, okay, God, where would you like me to finish? Because I know that my life is not just solely finishing a degree in history at University of Laverne and becoming a teacher. No, it's more than that because I'm a, because I'm a believer in him because that degree or 
my desire to teach can take me anywhere in the world. And I'm not afraid to leave this, what I have, the comforts of Upland, the comforts of Ranch, the comforts of Genesis, and maybe possibly move back to the jungle somewhere in East, South, uh, Southwest Malaysia. You know, does that make sense? <clears throat> Going back to Timothy Keller, he's a guy that I really like to listen to a lot. And uh, when he was talking about worship and going through trials and tribulations, and he said, uh, it's not always through the petitions and prayers uh, that we overcome, but in worship. And he gave us three ways to meet God that people, you and I, we meet God. We meet God emotionally. And he used Psalms uh, 90, 95, if you guys want to go through that. Psalms 95, he says, we meet God emotionally. And it's true. When we get to church, what do we do? We sing. It, it engages our hearts. It engages our minds. It, it, it engages that, that thing inside of us. Because all of us love to be excited about something. I mean, has anybody ever gone to a concert here? I have. I'll tell you what. When they start, or listening to music on the radio. You know, you're going, I have a lot of, you know, you're running, and all of a sudden, Eye of the Tiger comes on. Bump, 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 bump. What does that do to you? You get charged, like, woo, yeah, buddy. You know, let's get out there. Let's run, you know. It, it excites you. It gets you emotionally charged. You look at your buddy, and you're like, woo, you got this, brother. You got this, sister. Yeah, you know. And that's the same thing the worship does for you on a Sunday morning or when we get together here um, on Wednesday nights or, or maybe in our small groups. It, it, it excites us. I lo- our, our emotions are good. To be controlled by them is not good. But joy and peace, laughter. Uh, this, the, the, there's a proverb that says this. It says, there's three things that I just don't understand. Four things that I just don't know. The way of an eagle in the sky. The way of a snake on the rock. The way of a ship on the high seas. And the way a man is with a lady. Mm, that is poetic. Yeah, that's in the Bible. You can read that. <laughs> so he's, he's talking about how, I mean, those are emotional, poetic words. When a guy's in love, he's, he's writing all these love letters. You know, we re- if you're in a small group, we've been going through small groups, and the, and the majority of the scriptures were in, in Songs of Solomon. And those are a poetic those, those are poetic verses between a husband and a wife. Oh, you're so beautiful. How you make me excited to see you. Oh, your neck is like... I can't even remember how they go, but you know how, you know, it's all poetic. You've heard the Tower of Babel or a tower. Yeah, one of those towers. But you and it's it's entwined in all of our music, the love music. I mean, how many of us love love songs here? Come on, raise your hand. Who doesn't love love songs? Listen, ooh, ah, ooh, do you want to know a secret? Yeah, that's right. See, my man's got it right here. Ooh, everybody closer. But those poetic songs that are written in the scripture, we're called to that with God, to be emotional with God. Where it says in Psalms uh, Psalms 95, shout for joy. Or Psalms 100, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. And then, Another step for worship is our will. That we talked about will. When I shared with you that, hey, I want to do this, but God had different plans for me. You're going to do this. Six months before I went to Malaysia, my youth pastor, my old youth pastor came back in town, and he's a missionary in Japan. 
And I remember telling him this. I was a real estate agent at the time. And I remember saying this to him specifically. I looked at him and I said, you know what, Dave? I'm not called to missions. I'm called to be here and give money to people so they can go. And he he looked at me and goes, I love guys like you. God's going to rock you. I'm like, I was like, whatever, dude. You're just one of these spiritual weirdos. You know what I mean? This is exactly what's going on in my head. Well, six months later, I'm on an airplane to the middle of the jungle. Oh, that was that was amazing. God had other plans for my life to show me, let it go. You can you can have plans. There's nothing wrong with planning because the Bible's very clear. You read the book of Proverbs, it talks about planning. It talks about, hey man, uh, without a vision, the people perish. You know, uh, even Jesus says, hey, you take into account before you build a building and then you build it. You know, you gotta you know check your budgets. Uh, it talks about being disciplined. It talks about uh, going for your, the goal in. In, uh, in the book of Proverbs. But it, it also talks about if God has a different plan, plan, <clears throat> take a step back and realize that it's going to be okay. Surrender your will to him because he'll, he's going to take care of you. It may not look the way you thought it was going to look, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fulfilled. You know, it's like my journey with leading worship, you know. It's like my journey with what I felt God would call me when I was a young man. It has looked very different from 15 years ago. But I'm going to tell you what. Along the way, I've learned so much. I've fought with the Lord. I fought with other people because I I wanted my way to be done. But at the end of the day, when I was able to let go and release and surrender my will, bow down, as the Bible would say, we're going to bow down before you. That's all. uh, one of the most ultimate uh, signs of, of submission is to bow down. I've had a lot more peace and I have a lot more satisfaction in following Christ. And the last thing that he says is our mind. I don't know anybody who doesn't like to be mentally stimulated. We read books. We love, who doesn't, does anybody like mystery here? You know, you watch, oh, mystery. It's like, oh, what's happening next? Oh, oh my gosh. It wasn't really this person that stole this person. It was the milkman. Oh, you know, it's like, wow, how did they do that? It was so clever. You know, we all like to be mentally stimulated. And God says that, hey, when you come to me, your emotions will be met. We'll meet with, with emotion, with our language, our will, our surrender, and our minds. We're able to communicate and talk with the living king who will speak with you, who will take your crazed thoughts and you can tell him, hey, I feel real crazy right now or I'm really upset. I don't know why it felt it felt like this. I'm angry with you right now and I don't I don't want to be angry, but I'm angry. Speak. And he begins to speak words of knowledge to you or he uses other people to speak words of knowledge to you. I know in my life and. I know people have judged me for sharing this in the past, but I'm going to share it anyways. But I've had things happen in my life where, you know, I'm driving in my car and I'm crying. I'm angry. I cry. I hate that I cry. Okay. That's one thing that I dislike because I like to, I like to be rough. When we're playing sports, I want to be, yeah, hit me in the chest, you know? And then somebody tells a sad story like, and I overcame. I'm like, oh my gosh. What is that football movie? The Clash of the Titans? Whether something of the Titans, the football movies. Remember the Titans. Remember that movie came out, and you know I'm watching, it and I'm like, <clears throat> they work together as a team. It's so they unified. I'm here saying crying. I'm a grown man. It's horrible. Uh, where was I? I? Just lost my train of thought. Uh, I was in my car. 
And I began to talk with the Lord. And I was saying, God, I don't understand. I'm so, I want to hate you right now. This is my prayer. I want to hate you right now. Everything in me tells me to hate you. And everything in me wants to just dislike you. But I know it's wrong, but this is how I feel. Help me. Speak to me, because this is where I want to go. But you know what? Within a matter of moments, uh, because I was real, I began to speak. You're, I didn't create you this way. Um, I still see you as a good man. It's going to be okay. He began to speak his words of knowledge into my heart and into my mind. He began to correct my stinking thinking, as I, I like to say, and help me focus. I don't know if that was a little too deep for some of you, but I feel like if you really want to know somebody, you can talk to them for real. You can say, I'm upset with you right now, and I don't know why I don't want to be, but help me trust you. And I think God will hear that because you're being real with the king, and he, and he knows he wants to help you sort it out. Even if it doesn't always make sense, he wants to help you sort it out. So I love once again, I love what Timothy Keller says here. Uh, and he used Psalms 91. He says, you know, when we meet God, we come with our emotion, our will, and our minds. And last but not least, I'm going to say this. Going back to what um, I heard Lauren Cunningham said, he says, you become what you worship. I don't think there's any more thing, anything more satisfying than than becoming what I'm worshiping. If I'm worshiping Christ, I want to take on the full essence of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, one of the things that I've, oh, I seen a little picture in my mind and it was, uh, it was like a bar setting. It was Jesus. And here are all these people. There's tax collectors. There's everybody's drinking. And in the very back, people playing pool, people playing darts. And as we're going back and we're going back, you see Jesus there relaxing and someone's passed out on the table next to him. And he just has his hand right next to somebody's head, on someone's head. Because he's always right there healing and receiving people, helping them to overcome. And I hope that in my life, I would never be too offended when someone drops a word that I don't like or has a different thought that is not that is contrary to what my Christian principles tell me but that I would receive them with mercy because the reality at the end of the day mercy triumphs over judgment God is always the God of yesterday today or tomorrow he's still the God of justice and he's still you're gonna have to hold an account for your sin but you know what it's already been taken care of on the cross mercy triumphs over justice and I'll tell you what if I I want to take on that nature. And that nature, like it says in Romans chapter 12, is very contrary to our world today. The world would say, don't forgive that fool. Take him to court. You know, obviously, you need, there's some things that you do need to work out in, in those good settings, those legal settings that were, that were placed here for us. Um, so, you know, use your wisdom. But in your dealings with people, it is very contrary to the I approach. It's all about me. I don't need to ask for forgiveness. I don't need to say, I'm sorry. He can take a hike or she could take a hike. You know, I don't care if I've offended them. That is, and that is not the nature of Christ. So as we become to, as we get to worship him more, what is, what does the Bible say? It says here in Galatians chapter five, let me read this to you. It says here in Galatians chapter five, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. I don't know about you, but I want more joy. Can anybody use more joy? 
I want more peace. Can anybody use more peace, more patience? When you take on the nature of when you begin to worship God, you take on his character, that gentle, patient man. The man who when someone wrongs you, you're able to take a step back and realize, that guy just flipped me off and I know him. Let me have patience, Lord. Help me. And then come to realize that maybe he just got fired from his job. And the only thing that he could do is just out of frustration is give you, tell you to take a hike. But that spirit of God was living in you and helped you not to react the way the rest of the world would act. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I would encourage you to, you know, Nick sang a song today and he says, and we're breathing the breath that you gave us to breathe to worship you, to worship you. Once again, I would encourage us. Sam has been going through the book of Genesis. And his talk on Genesis chapter 2 was just so amazing. But that love story that God has with us, that he would choose to make us different than any other creature, that he would breathe into our nostrils the living, living soul, that we would take on his nature. And so my encouragement to all of us is that we would continue to worship when we're alone. Because it's important to have our, however you have your quiet times. If you need to walk in the middle, uh, in the mountain by yourself, Jesus did that all the time. To get something downloaded into you from God or just to get healing or to get cleansing or to get clear thoughts or surrender your heart and your will to God, I would recommend continue having your alone times with God. Two, that we have our, our individual worship, or excuse me, not our individual, our, our small group worship. Like when we get together last night, or Monday night at uh, at our, our community groups. Those are intimate times where we can worship together because everybody has something different to bring to the table. And when we go before God and worship, there's something that goes on. We're all different and we're all worshiping different. It just, it charges us differently. It brings that, that whole nature together that we can focus together as a family and team and help each one another overcome as we, as we go together. And thirdly, our Sunday worship. I think it's very important that we continue to get together and we worship on our Sunday so that that we would maximize one another. Those who were had a bunch of alone times, had the small group times, and then had a big corporate time that we would get together and be able to communicate with one another and give life to one another and get God's nature through one another. Does that make sense? So, we're going to end there. Romans chapter 12. In everything that we do, we worship God. doesn't mean music, necessarily. It doesn't necessarily mean um, quiet times. But in our worship towards God, that overflows into our daily life. That's why it says, and whatever you do, present it good to the Lord. So that you continue to walk with Him. And it's nothing spooky, it's nothing crazy where you're like, oh, man, I, I'm always praying in the spirit, you know. That just sounds weird to me, you know. What it means is that you're always conscious that the king of kings is always there. And he is always lord over your life, always lord over your situation. And you're able to give that to other people and reflect his love, his joy, and his peace because of your constant daily worship. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for all that you've given us. 
I want to ask this that all of us, so God, would continue to have quiet times and devotions, whatever you want to call it, that we would have intimate times with you alone, that you would not only download your nature into us, your love, your patience, kindness, your goodness, not only would we be able to surrender our will to you, Father God, not only would you be able to meet us mentally and stimulate our minds, but that we would take on your nature, that we would be able to love other people whether they're Christian or non-Christian, whether they're Muslims, whether they're Hindus, whether they're gay or lesbian, it doesn't matter, but that we would love them with your love. That we would speak for those who can't speak for themselves because we've taken on your nature and your word declares that. So I ask, Lord God, in our private worship that you would help us, Lord God, to be more like you. In our corporate worship, that we, it would just encourage one another to seek you more and to live for your glory. So we thank you for what you've given us, and we ask you to speak from your throne. In Jesus' name, amen.